Welcome to session number two of Carnivore Coach's Corner, a podcast dedicated to meatheads of all ages, shapes, and sizes who want to take their health and physiques to the next level. With each session, you will continue to learn from Jonathan Griffiths, the original carnivore bodybuilder from the UK. Also, Mark Ennis, who is a functional nutrition therapist, RFU rugby strength and conditioning coach, currently on contest prep himself from Dublin, Ireland. And I am Colt Milton, your all-American classic physique athlete and coach. We are here every single week answering your questions submitted by email to admin at supersetyourlife.com. Frequently asked questions from our regular one-on-one consultations and discussing trending topics related to the carnivore diet and hypertrophy training. This is our second session in which we discuss training intensifiers. That is rest pause sets, cluster sets, drop sets, and quite a bit more. So grill up a steak, kick back, and listen up to Coach Jonathan as he kicks things off, starting with what training intensifiers actually are. Oh, yes. Good topic to talk about. Um, Yeah, thank you for the pleasant introduction as well as always. Um, Training intensifiers. So the way I'm going to define those for now is anything which makes your level of training more difficult. So it's basically near enough anything that isn't a straightforward set. So, for example, the common school of thought, um, at least in the country I'm from in England, is people do three sets of 10. Each exercise, move on to the next, then do a different exercise, so on and so forth. Um, They might do that two, three, four times each body part, then move to a different body part. Um, So for the sake of argument, I might start talking about rest pause. That's something I quite like. So it's a way of inching close to failure whilst maintaining the same weights that you're actually using or load in a given set Um, i like that because it removes a lot of factors around training and what i mean by that is if you're doing a rest pause set say you're doing a 50 kilo chest press you then rest 5 10 15 seconds some people have different sort of amounts of time but i like to use around that sort of time period you might then wait 5, 10, 15 seconds, do a second set. But obviously in the next set, you'll be burnt out to some degree, so you'll actually be doing less repetitions. The idea is to keep your same standardised form technique along with the element of safety, which we always advocate. Go to the next set, give it 5, 10, 15 seconds again. Go to the next set until you get to a point where you might be able to do two, maybe three repetitions. And, that, and that's when you basically stop. Um, so the idea is to get more uh, training load, more volume, more intensity in a shorter given time period. Um, I find that quite useful, especially if you're lacking time. If you want to fit in a quick workout, um, the chances are you're probably going to be adding in a rest pause set. Um, There's lots of other different ways you can look at that as well. So there's something called my reps, which are near about the same thing, um, and cluster sets as well, which are near about the same thing. But the difference with cluster sets is that you're actually not training to failure on each given rest pause set. So it's a way of um, accumulating fatigue, but without completely burning yourself out. Um, that's just that's just one of the things that I like to talk about and um, do with my training. But what about you guys, Mark? What do you quite like to do with your training if you do intensifies? Yeah, I'm the very, very same. I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing any like super sets or drop sets. I'd be doing the same as you, Jonathan. So how I do it is. If, let's say if I'm structuring, like, say, a push program, and I would never start off with, like, an intensity set. I would always do, like, say, straight a straight set on the first exercise. 
then on the second exercise, I may do a let's okay. I'll, I'll break it down. So let's say I'm doing a push session. I'm, I'm I'm focusing on the chest. So what I'll do here is I'll do the heaviest movement in the gym first, which will be the dumbbells. That'll be the, probably the, the hardest one I can do. So I'll do a straight set on that. Then as I go on to the next exercise, then that's this is where I'll do forced repetitions. So this is where I'll probably get someone to come in and spot me. Let's say when I can't get that extra rep up. And then when it comes to an intensifier set, that's when I'll add it in at the very, very end. So this is where I'll, I'll, I'll add in like a peg fly. I'll do the exact same as Jonathan. I'll either do a cluster set. I'll do a rest pause. I might do a muscle around. Um, but I'll never, I'll never de decrease the weight. I'll try and go to failure. I'll rest for about five to ten seconds. It depends on how, how strong I'm feeling. If I'm feeling very, very strong and I feel I only need five seconds, I'll take a five-second breather. Get back into the set again, do another few more reps, another five seconds. And then at the very, very end of that set, at the very, very end of it, what I'll do is I'll hold that contraction as long as I possibly can and then let the weight just drag me back. So that means I know then the muscles completely failed. I've completely, I've completely fatigued the concentric and the eccentric part of the muscle. And like Jonathan said, I could pretty much do that in like 15, 15 minutes max and be, that'd be a workout for me. Another, another way I could do it is like say if I'm doing pull-ups and say if I wanted to hit all angles at the back, I could do wide, I could do underhands, I could do pronated, I could do so many grips. I could do like say this is where a muscle round is very, very good because you could do like a wide grip for six reps, then change your hand ankles, do another six reps for a different angle. And then that's pretty much a workout in itself. You're taking pretty much every set to failure, but you're, you've got different strengths on different grip areas. So... Yeah, I'm, that's the reason why I'm a big, massive fan of low-volume training and just getting into the gym and getting out because you can, you'd be amazed on how much work you can actually do in such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, great, great points. 100%. I'm going to share mine real real quick. Can, can either of you give a real quick, uh, maybe Mark, just give like a real quick crash course on what exactly a rest pause set is and when to use it? It's just not a term that's used a lot over here. Okay, so for me personally, this is just my opinion, I wouldn't put it in until the very, very end. The simple reason is if you put it in at the beginning, you're going to you're gonna fatigue yourself very, very quickly. You want to hold on to strength probably the first two exercises. So the first two exercises, when I go to failure, it's on me. So I pick an exercise, and when I can't lift that weight anymore, that to me is failure. Now, the next exercise, that's when I'll take the intensity up a little bit more. So I'll add in, this is where I'll add in basically a force rep. So when I can't lift that weight anymore, I'll get someone to just drag the weight up for me and then I'll control on the way down. So I'll probably give it four or five reps out of that. Then at the end, this is what I usually do. I'll pick a, I'll pick a weight that's challenging, really, really challenging between eight and 12 reps. I'll do that, I'll do that set. I'll go to failure. I'll see how I feel. I'll rest for about five to 10 seconds, maybe 15 seconds. It depends on how tired I am. I'll go straight back into that set again. I won't decrease the weight. I'll go straight back into it. You will know after the second set, you'll only get about three or four reps. But that's that's good because we're adding progressive load, overload to the muscle. And then at the very end, I'll probably only manage one clean rep. But on that last rep, all I'm focusing on is just dragging the weight in. And then I'm going to hold on to that weight for as long as I possibly can at the end. And then I'm going to hold that stretch position for about 10 to 15 seconds. By that time, then my chest is done. I just, I'm not doing another set. I'm not doing another rep. That's it. I'm done. Time to leave the gym. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, when you think about it, when you think, sorry, Colt, when you think about it, 
it's it's only like three working sets I'm doing. But I'm taking each one to complete another failure. That's it. I'm done. Finished. Wow. So, um, so like another example would basically be like if you're gonna do a if you're doing a dumbbell bench press. I guess just a, um, of what a rest pause set is. Um, your first set you fail at ten reps. Your second set, uh, three minutes later, you fail at nine reps. Your next set, three minutes later, you fail at eight reps. Mm. Stop. Take a deep breath. Force out one or two more reps, and then that last negative is going to be about ten seconds on the way down. I uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it on a dumbbell press because it's it's very hard to take the weights off the ground up and down. I would pretty much just do this on a machine press. So what we're doing here Machines, is we're doing, yeah. we're, yeah, we're, doing, we're going uh, less time. So we're not resting for three minutes. A rest pause set is like literally you're going to failure. You're taking about three or four deep breaths, long deep breaths, and you're going back in and doing it again. So your rest period is only going to be 10 or 15 seconds max. And you're going yes. straight back into that set again, straight back into it. So let's say you got 10 reps in the first one and you rest okay. for five or 10 seconds. You won't get anywhere near 10 reps in the second one. You'll probably give it two or three. But this is that's where that's where the growth starts. So when you push those last two or three reps, and then you rest for it again, and then that last rep, just just try and get one rep out of it. But don't just drop it on the last rep. So you, you've already pushed the weight up. Now hold on to it for as long as you can, for as long as you can, until you've completely fatigued the muscle. Then you're then you're completely okay. done. So it's, so it basically be like, so if you're on, so if you're on a chest pressing machine, you fail you fail you're not you're not dropping the weights like in a drop set so you no. you would okay so you would get 10 reps your first set wait only 10 or 15 seconds rest and yep. then do another set and you're only probably going to get like two or three and then wait 15 more seconds and then you get like one or two reps and that last one goes slow down as, as you can that's it yeah that colt there's a caveat to this um so what what Mark's defining is 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 a rest pause set, and in my experience, it does align pretty much with what he said. So it's say you're doing eight to twelve reps. The second set after the ten you know ten fifteen second break, um, you'll be doing about two three maybe four reps. Um, the close to failure you take that initial first set of eight to twelve repetitions, for example, the lower that amount of reps in the second set will be. Um, now if you're doing a cluster set or something else then maybe you can do 12 reps but you only do eight reps then that second set assuming the same rest pause time period principles you might then get close to eight the next time but it won't be eight but it might be six then six again then four again but um the cl basically closer to failure you get on each time the more um proportionately the amount of sets will the repetitions will decrease over that time so right. it's it's um fifty it's ten fifteen seconds, but you don't count it really. It's just in your head. You might say so, like Mark said, fifty. Uh, sorry, five breaths. Two, three, you know, um, there's no like checking your phone. You won't have time to check your phone. Um, you might have time to sort of like readjust your form or check where your shoulders are on the placement of the pad or something. But you're not letting go of the machine really because it's too short of a time period. By the time you let go of the machine, have a drink, um, you have to reset again, which will take time. So. You're effectively yeah. in the same position for the whole, you know, four, five, six, seven mini sets. Right. And just, I'm just going to make one point as well. The reason why I am a big fan of this type of training is because, like, if, if you if you were to go into the set and let's say you lift, I don't know, whatever weight it is, and you lift 12 reps, and then you immediately drop that weight down, 
let's say 20%, you're pretty much going to max the reps on what you did in the first set. Now, how, are you actually progressing if you do that? You might be taking the muscle to failure, but are you, are you really, really progressing? The goal is always to get stronger in the gym. Right. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that drop sets and supersets and all, they, they don't work. That's for people that enjoy that type of training. We're talking about like low volume training, like low, you just get in the gym, you hit the muscle hard and you leave, that's it. And it can, it can be done. I've, I've proved it many, many times and I've done it many, many times with clients. Like you can get in and get out and get a good workout done in a half an hour, simple. If you just get, like if you warm the muscle up, hit the muscle hard, you only need about three or four working sets on say a push exercise day, that's it. You could do three exercises for the chest, one exercise, a push down for the tricep, and maybe we're at, uh, th- probably three movements for the shoulder. Or sorry, laterals for the movements. Probably three, three move or three sets, and then you're pretty much done. Half an hour, you're okay. finished. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I'm really, really glad that we're talking about this because I've I've never I've never done rest pause sets the way that you two are describing this before. Essentially, it's it must like, be a British thing. I guess so. So it must, so it must be <laughs> so it's essentially straight sets with long with short resting periods. And you're and and you're very consciously aware, obviously, that your reps are going to go down dramatically until until the yeah. last one. How yeah. how many yeah. how many sets do you typically do of this? So if you're going to do a rest pause set um, for for one ex for one exercise, do you get like three, four, five sets? No, just one set. I think he means how many mini sets are you going to do, Mark? Yeah, so, how many how many mini yeah. sets? <laughs> as in as in warm ups. No, so you'll do your 10 reps, rest 10 seconds, then you'll do three reps, then three reps again, and three reps again. How many of those total set? Yeah. Yeah, I would only do three. Three is what I do. Yeah. Wow. That's it. And And that's all you do for that exercise and go on to the next one, huh? Yeah, and then this, and this is how I do it. Like, let's say if I am training the chest movements, I won't warm up on every single exercise. So I'll spend the majority of my time warming up in the very, very first exercise. On the second exercise, there's no there's no point in me warming up. My chest is already warm, so I've, I'll I'll just ha- I'll get a feel of the weight. I'll probably do one or two reps. I'll go straight into my set. I don't need to warm up. My chest is already warm. Then in the last set, then I'm gonna pick a weight that I'm gonna be uh, comfortable with. That's gonna be challenging. Again, I won't even warm up. I'm gonna go straight into the set. So I'm not I'm not wasting energy warming up on each exercise. I'm just going. I'm I'm spending a bit of time on the very on the very, very first exercise, that's when I spend the most amount of time warming up. And then as I prolong through the workout, I'm probably not doing any warm-ups at all. I'm saving my energy for that main set. Yeah. Because you really don't need to anymore after that point. No. Yeah, I think the necessity for a warm-up is very much dependent on your training style and if you're performing a complex movement. So, for example, if you're doing a squat as your first exercise, um, I would not advocate to someone to load up their back with 200 kilograms, then do a set to failure, um, just because it's the safety element. Although it depends on your form, of course, it's a high risk exercise in that in that um, consequence. So, if you're then to do something like a hack squat, you then might actually just do the hack squat just as it is. Um, that's why training with specific exercises that fit well for your body along with what your goals are is important. Um, so for example, in my training, I don't do any warm ups. 
unless um, I have a high risk of injury on doing that first exercise. Um, in which case, yes, of course, I'll use a warm up. Um, like, for example, the other day I was in the gym and I did a shoulder press. I slept on my shoulder funny, so my right shoulder was a bit messed up. Um, I I did a warm up. I just did the um, the weight itself. I then put uh, put a plate on each side. Um, I can usually do about four or five plates a side. And I thought, okay, one plate. No, it's not going up. If I felt like I strained strained it too much, so that warm up was necessary for me in that circumstance. Um, otherwise, if my shoulder was completely fine, I had no symptoms of like pain, joint irritation anything like that i just went straight into my first set and my first set might have actually even been um an eight to ten rep set so quite a heavy one um but the problem the thing is with my sets is they aren't rushed sets they're not like explosive bounce up or down movements they're very controlled so in effect my warm-up is built into the first set itself that i'm doing again like i said the caveat is that the, the movement itself is safe and uh, isn't causing you any joint irritation so it depends very much on the exercise itself, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I 100% agree. At the end of the day, if you're doing an exercise and it's not safe and you're going to failure on it, you're asking for trouble. Simple as that. Yeah. If, if you take, if you take, if you go on, if you're going to read a squat bar and you're telling me you're taking that set to failure, I can tell you now you're bullshitting. There's no way you're taking that set to failure. Absolutely no chance. You're, you're bullshitting yourself. I agree. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people say, "Oh, I do squats to fail." I'm like, "Well, do you actually?" That's a lot of um, that's a lot of risk you're putting yourself out there. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because to do that, you'd have to like assume you're doing eccentric failure. You know, you're going to the bottom of the rep. That's going to flatten most people. It's going to round your back real bad. Um, and then even if you're using spotter arms to catch it, you're putting yourself at more risk because those have to be high enough to catch the weight from your back. Yeah. Um, unless it rolls off your back and even then it's going to hurt you re really bad so uh, a squat is an example of bad exercise to do um, to failure in my opinion yeah. and that's why you use a hack squat or something where you can actually rack the weight at different pinpoint positions in the actual movement so there's there's definitely benefit for to be said for the training that Mark and I do when you're using uh, more machines and training to failure in that sort of, sort of instance yeah like okay. I don't I don't get anybody to do a squat on the meter free bar ever. I, I either do a pendulum squat, a squat, or I might do underneath a cement machine, something like that. Something safe. I will never, I'd never put anybody underneath a free bar ever. I just think it's too dangerous. And another, I want to make a good point, another point as well. Like when yeah. Jonathan was saying about good form, like I see an awful lot of people bounce the weight off the ground when they're doing a deadlift. It's called a deadlift for a reason. Yeah, not, not, a bounce the not, not a bounce off the floor lift. I that, mean, that's I what see so call it. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, they lift, a lot of, they lift a lot of weight, but then they lower it and they bounce it off the ground. That bounce off the ground is going to help you lift the weight up a little bit more. So it's just pointless. Leave it on the ground. Get yourself in position, retract the shoulders, and lift it again. Every single rep that you do, you should be focusing on, okay, I've, con I've controlled it. It's stopped. Now, how do I actually go again? Instead of just going with the motion of doing this shit all together, like if you're doing a chest press, bring it down. Okay, what am I going to do now? I'm going to bring the humerus across the chest. That's what that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm I'm I'm, fo I'm constantly focused on what's activating the chest. But if you're just constantly doing this shit all the time, yes, you are going to feel the muscle, but you can actually feel the muscle after the first rep if you really really focus on what you're doing. I agree. Yeah, something to be said for. Um loading the eccentric portion of the rep in a very safe manner 
So you've yeah. got to imagine almost like in Mark's example of doing a deadlift, um, you can either A, uh, let it hit the floor, like dead, dead stop, then lift it again, readjust your form, readjust your hip positioning. Um, when I was deadlifting, I was doing it without touching the floor, just the way I like to do it. And I was effectively, when I was getting to the bottom bit where I was a few inches off the ground, that was where I was really slowing down the movement so I had more control over the actual weight. I wasn't just thinking bounce, like snap. There was no snap to that movement. Um, I like to slow down the bottom portion, like as if I've got a coil and I'm, I'm squeezing it and squeezing it and squeezing it. Then once that sort of goes up a bit, then it releases, you know. That's how I tried to work my muscles. Um, it's the same with every movement near enough. So a um, good example is a bench press, same thing. You can imagine going down with the weight, slowing down the last bit, then exploding up with the example that um, Mark gave of, you know, bring your humerus across the side of the body to the inside of the body. Um, trying to think of another example. You're using your quads, you're flexing your quads as you go up throughout the movement in a squat. You know, loads, loads of different examples you can think of, but yeah, is is um, definitely something I see very often as well as people just bouncing reps and that's where you get injury, lose tension, and it just doesn't build a good physique. I think I think if you if you, if you can teach that if you can teach that to a client and and do well at teaching that in your coaching, you'll be a very very good coach in my opinion, because everybody just gives the same program. Go into the gym, do your deadlifts, but you have to focus on the lifts. Like I'm I'm I know yeah. you are as well, John. Like I I'm big on training videos. When I need like every single day, people send me in videos and I'm watch I'm watching the form like. Like unbelievably, I'm I'm taking note. I'm saying, okay, you might have done that right, but it, what about if we just try it at this angle? What about if we just stick the toes out to the side a little bit here? What about if we grab the bar a little bit in this direction? Like I'm always looking at ways of making the exercise harder, but a lot safer at the same time, and getting more activation out of, out of the exercise as well. Because I I want people to feel the muscle pretty much in the first or second rep, not when they get to the eighth rep, ninth rep, tenth rep. On that very, very first rep, it's like, okay, that feels really good. The second one feels amazing. Oh, this feels really, really good. I can actually feel it now. Um, but if you're getting to 12, 15, 16, all the 20 reps, and you're only beginning to feel it there, then first of all, the weight is too light, and you're just going with the motion. That's all you're doing. Yeah, very well said. Um, I definitely think the same myself. I think, I mean, the, the value of a training video, you know, from your clients, it's... It seems like something so silly and like time consuming and faff. Like, oh, that guy or that girl's recording her workouts or his workouts. You know, it's so valuable to a coach to see what an athlete's actually doing. Um, I've had videos before of people that have been personal trainers themselves for over two decades. Um, in some cases, three or four decades. I'm looking at that thinking they're trying really hard. Like the effort and intensity is clearly there, but the form just isn't, you know? Um, and it's like that could be the one thing that makes a difference between their training being more or less effective. Um, and also, like you mentioned, like safe. Uh, for example, if lock, locking out during a leg press. You don't do that, guys. No one does that. Um, it's probably one of the worst things you could do for your knees because there's no resistance um, yeah. <laughs> against your hamstrings effectively to keep your, your knees in a safe place. So, you know, um, think carefully about your locking out especially and don't, don't rush into movements same way same way doing the chest press like you see an awful lot of people they'll push the weight as far as they can but they're doing an awful lot of damage to their elbow joints again you don't want to be doing that you want to just focus on okay what 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 do i need to do to activate the chest 
and it's the same with any chest movement. You just want to focus on bringing the biceps together. So you, you don't want to be just going up to the very, very top locking it because if you go up to the very, very top, the tension's gone. So you've already lost the tension. So do you need to go that high? Maybe if you drop it down another five inches, you'll feel your arms are shaking like this. That's when your chest is under unbelievable tension. So that's what you want to be keep on doing all the way through the movement. It's okay, there's the starting point. There's the finishing point. When my arms start to shake and my chest starts to shake, my muscles are under extreme tension. But if I go straight to the top and if I keep doing that, you've got to understand that the fluid that's in your elbow, the more you do that, the more fluid you're losing at your elbow. And this is the reason why people get fucking hard, get unbelievable niggles when they get older. They can't, they can hardly bend over. They can hardly write. It's because all the damage they've been doing in the gym in the first place, lifting just too much, too much weight. If you guys want an example of that, you can look at a lot of old school bodybuilders. And when they actually straighten their arm, you'll see like a knobbly bit on their elbow. And that's um, calcification of their elbow joint. They can't actually lock their elbows out anymore because they've done all these um, primitive, so to speak, exercises where they've been doing the skull crushers, you know, bashing their elbows to pieces, locking out. Um, it's not to say locking out is a bad thing. It's just there's specific exercises you can and can't do that with. Um, mm. An example of a, a bench press is just putting all the strain through your shoulders and elbows. Um, there's no muscular tension going through your chest when you're just holding a weight out directly in front of you it's going directly through your shoulder so there's always an element of um thinking of physics um does that exercise in that angle put the tension through the muscle you're trying to work yes or no always question yourself when you're doing any movement and that's something you should look at um i think a lot of people miss that anyway yeah 100 percent. Wow. sorry Colts. No, no, this, no, this is good stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to share my, my my training intensifiers because they're drop sets and same muscle supersets and all the stuff that that that, that now now apparently I'm I'm seeing that um, that rest pause sets could probably be a bit more effective with. Uh, but yeah, I mean the 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 only training in, intensifiers that that I that I've really used are I guess my favorite ones are drop sets and same muscle supersets. Um, when Wendy was over here in um, in in Seattle, we didn't have a lot of time to train and we were shooting a biceps video, but it was leg day. So we did uh, kind of a bit of everything. Um, so with, uh, so with like curls, for example, something that I kind of teach just around the board with, with bar with barbell curls is if you've been in the gym once you've probably curled something before. All right. And so just normal curling form um, with a just three, three sets of 10 with an easy bar, I don't think is going to grow your biceps. You, you, you need you need to do something that's going to push you a little bit uh, past that. So, typically, what I teach on easy bar curls is to do ten reps, really, really strict, and then the bar is still in your hands. Use a little bit of glutes, just a little bit. Don't turn it into a barbell hip thrust. Don't turn it into a cheat curl or anything. But you can still get five more reps really, really easily after you fail with ten truly strict reps. If you are truly isolating your biceps to where your biceps, the only thing curling the bar, you can test it by using like an arm blaster or by leaning up against a wall and trying to curl a bar. Uh, I think you'll be really, really humbled with how little weight that you can curl. <laughs> and so um, you can lean up so you can lean up against the wall and do ten, and, and, and do 10 uh, purely isolated reps and then use a little bit of your front deltoid to rock the shoulder forward. That brings in the top head of the biceps anyway because the biceps also tie into the shoulder joints and they um, work with your biceps even work with like front deltoid raises with, with dumbbells, at least the upper part does. 
so then you get the full squeeze. And um, so we did that for, for biceps and then for, what else did we do? We, we did drop sets on, <laughs> I did a quadruple drop set on the vertical leg press. You guys ever use one of those vertical leg press? Man, those are fun. Mm. I don't know what it is about it. They feel, yeah, they really I have, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so we, we, were, we were going knees over toes and making it a quad exercise. Um, and then for, and then for deadlifts, again, we were on a bit of a time crunch. And so I was like, man, we haven't done anything for hamstrings yet. Okay. Let's do, um, what's the fastest thing we can do and just get out of here. Oh, dumbbell deadlifts, uh, dumbbell stiff leg deadlifts. So, um, I, I think, I think my sets were about, I, I went up in weight every set. Um, because with heavy sets like that, I find that I can actually increase in weight and I'll, and I'll fail, um, Typically, if I have ad adequate rest, I'll 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 fail with um, at higher reps, and I'm able to get basically an extra couple reps as the workout progresses. Um, and I think it's because of the growth hormone and the natural testosterone that's stimulated. And so, if you give yourself enough rest to be able to let that catch up with you, um, that's how I am able to increase my training volume like throughout the rest of the set. Um, so we did drop sets with that, and um, so, so like, so like most of my, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but basically it was like five reps at a hundred pounds, stiff leg deadlift, starting with the weight on the floor, not locking out so that I don't bring my glutes in. It was, it was purely hamstring isolation, um, five reps of that. And then 70 pound dumbbells, five more reps. So total time under tension was about 45 seconds to a minute with each set. And then, um, and then basically just kept kept the reps the same, and was and was able to increase them towards the end because we were taking our time with our with our rest. So um, yeah, <laughs> the next the next morning, I was like, "Are your legs sore?" And she was like, "No." And I was like, "Okay, huh? Weird. I thought for sure that would have done it." And then uh, about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, "Oh, okay, mine are sore now." <laughs> so I know if I hit my legs really good, it usually takes like more than a day for for the for the soreness to set in. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I, what I've been doing in in, ter in terms of in terms of training intensifiers, and those are most of my go tos. Um, on the rest pause sets, I just kind of sketched out my leg workout for tomorrow, and I was kind of curious if um, if I could run them by you guys in in context of like what drop sets would um, excuse me rest pause sets would look like. Sound sound good? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, cool. I, I was looking I was looking at my journal and I couldn't see you guys nodding. So starting with barbell hip thrust, that would be uh, 225. So I'd probably get like 10 reps, wait 15 seconds, and then probably get like six or seven reps, wait 15 seconds. And I mean, barbell hip thrust is one of those exercises to do because it's such, such a pain in the butt, no pun intended, to, uh, it's, 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 such, it's such a pain to, to set up. That's like the biggest complaint that I get. With yeah. Workout plans, because it just takes forever. And so it just makes more sense to, to, to sit there and do a rest pause set and then be done with it, move to the next exercise. Okay. So then next exercise would be leg extensions and then leg curls. So then I got all, so then it's like, I don't really need to warm up after that because that's my, all my, all my, all my, all my leg muscles are going to be warm. Okay. So then the next thing to do would be, um, depending on what I'm feeling, either an overhead uh, squat press, which is basically a machine press that, um, is something something that I use with our with our master press. 
it's really hard to describe but basically it's it's a it's kind of like a machine squat um or or like if you're squatting with a barbell held with your hands over your head is essentially what i'm doing but it's a lot safer than that <laughs> um, and then stiff leg deadlifts on that machine basically so it's kind of like a smith machine stiff leg deadlift and then um i was thinking jefferson deadlifts so that would give me one two three four five six exercises for legs so that would be significantly less training volume like a lot less training volume than i normally do i know both of you are smiling because that's definitely the point <laughs> i'm smiling too because this sounds great on paper and it'd be and it'd be great if i could get my workout done in a half hour and just get on with the rest of the day so right jonathan do you want to go first does that workout sound like to you guys i'll have a quick go so um you you said at the start your hip thrusts your glute hip thrusts um 10 reps the first set six or seven the second set if yeah. i'm not sure if you're going to failure in each of those sets or if you're just going close to failure or what uh you tell me should th those should be those should be the failure right yeah um yes so um if you're trying to get a workout in cult which is like half an hour you're not going to be doing like three four working sets per exercise you might be doing one maybe two Okay. So if you you got to kind of think it this way. So I think you said you've got six exercises you, you're looking to do. Yeah. Um, oh, and, then, and then a seventh one would be um, lying leg raises for abs. Okay. And, and yeah. Yeah. So unless you're doing a giant set where everything is weighted, stacked, ready, loaded, ready to go, you're going from one exercise straight to the next, straight to the next with like seconds break between it, um, you won't be doing multiple sets of all of those exercises. You just won't, it won't be possible. Um, right. That's if you're trying to do it in half an hour or so. Um, I'd probably look at your weak points on your physique, then perhaps on the weak points of your, is it your quads you want to bring up or your hamstrings? Was it hamstrings? Vastus uh, lateralis. Okay, they're outside of your quads. So yeah, you might look at maybe doing one set of the hip thrust. Um, so all that pain in the ass work, work and effort to stack the machine for one set. You know that's how it works, I guess. So, um, so you're talking one rest pause set with like three or four uh, mini sets. Mini sets. The rest set. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So if if you're assuming training to to failure or close to failure, maybe um, ten, three, three, two, or ten, four, three, two. Um, the point is not the numbers themselves. The point is just to go to failure if you're getting right. Going for that sort of methodology. Um, one set on that. Then if it is either your lying leg curl, sorry, your leg curl or your leg extension, you might do one on the leg curl. Two on the leg extensions, maybe two on the squat thing, whatever you said it was. Um, I think you squat. said a Jefferson. Yeah, that. machine squat, yeah. Then maybe one or two on the, the Jefferson. Um, I think Traffic, what else you had now? Um, the last was the abs, I think. You might just do one or two on the abs. I think one on the abs is pretty good. You know, I don't really train abs much, if, if ever, if I can help it. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's for yeah, me. Abs uh, is a tricky one, but yeah. I was, I was going to talk to you about you, you guys um, at some other point too about ab training, but that's probably kind of a different to topic. Just when, when, and how. Yeah. Heavy, heavy weight burnouts. You know. <laughs> well, let, well, Cole, let me get, let me give you this anecdote. So my friend Jerome Armstrong, um, he's another YouTuber. He talks about high intensity training. His business, his studio is called Eighteen Minute Fitness. He puts his clients through workout, which is around five, six, maybe seven sets in total. And that's the form of a big circuit. 
Um, so the way he does it, for example, in a push workout might be two for chest, two for shoulders, two for triceps, or two, three, one, or some, some kind of combination around there. So he'll be doing about seven sets, maybe maybe six sets. All of those sets are to, to concentric failure. Um, they'll be doing push-pull legs workout each week, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example. Um, and he's doing that, like I said, in 18 minutes. So six sets, roughly, in 18 minutes. But bear in mind, it's his own studio, so he's got it all set up ready. So if you're looking perhaps to do a session in half an hour, you might be looking at maybe, assuming it's all set up quite well, 10, 10 sets, maybe 11 sets in total. So I'd favor your volume perhaps close towards exercises that you want to improve on, get stronger on. Um, exercise which focus the vastus lateralis like you mentioned. So you might even prioritize that movement close to the start of your workout. Um, that's basically how I'd, I'd take it. But yeah, you wouldn't need warm-ups if you're training in a way that you're having the hip thrust first, I don't think, um, just because that is a quad, hamstring, and glute exercise all in one. So, yeah, that's why, what I, do you think, that's why I like to have people start with that one because it kind of hits everything. And, and if your glutes aren't activated, then your whole body posture is a joke. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? So for me, when I heard a first cult, I was like, too much volume, way too much volume. You won't, you won't get all that done in a half an hour. Yeah, no so I, so what I would do is I would pick I would pick either a hamstring day or a quad for focus day. That's what I would do personally. So let's say you're fo you're focusing mainly on the quads. You want to focus more on the fastest lateralis. I would focus more pretty much on just two main lifts, and I wouldn't do a rest pause set on either of them those sets. I just do a straight set. But you could get away with doing a rest pause set on a leg curl, a seated leg curl, and a leg extension. They're the only ones. So on the very first exercise to activate the quads, I like to do hamstring curls. So it just gives you more power for some particular reason. Mm -hmm. Then I would put you on then a leg a leg press, and I I try and get get you down as deep as I possibly can. But I'd make sure your legs are narrow. Um, and again, that would be just one main set. Then we're get, we're going towards the quads again. So I might put you I'll put you on the leg extension. This is where I'll do like two sets here. I'll do a heavy set, and then I'll do a back off set. Then straight after that, so the first set will be probably between eight and twelve, the second one between twelve and fifteen, and then the last exercise, I'm going to take you to absolute failure on the hack squat. Like I'm going to literally drive you into the ground. You won't be able to walk after this one. And then at the end, then you're done. That's it. Like do maybe three or four calves to failure. You'll be in and out within half an hour. That's it. So you'll do two big main sets on your big compound lifts. And you will take those to failure. Uh, put it down in your logbook. Mark down what number you got. Give yourself give yourself about a week or ten days, and come back and do it again. But then the next leg exercise, leg the next leg training you do should be focused on the hamstrings, and then go back to the quads, and then go back to the hamstrings. That's the way. That's the way I like personally. I think if you do more high frequency training, your legs will actually grow a lot faster. Whereas if you're training your legs once a week. You're only training them, say, 104 times a, out of the year. If you're only training them once, or sorry, yeah, how many times? Well, yeah, it'd be about 104 times a year or out of the year. But if you're doing if you're doing it twice, you're getting you're getting double the amount of volume. So, but you want to be smart. You're saying, right, okay, if I, I'm not gonna go near my hamstrings on day one, or maybe I'll just do one hamstring movement. It's gonna be a leg curl, but then on my second leg movements, I might do just one quad exercise, which will probably be a leg extension, but I'll focus mainly. On my hamstring, so I'll, I'll I'll throw in some stiff deads, I'll, um, some glute bridges, 
something like that. But I'm I'm a big fan of when you go into the gym, the setup of your workout is extremely important. So I won't go into the gym and do a heavy compound lift. I like to activate the muscle first. So that would be so if I'm doing a, if I am doing a leg day, I'll focus me either on the hamstrings. I'll do some quads. I won't neglect my abductors, ab- abductors as well. I'll get them in as well. I'll make sure everything feels really, really good before I go near a compound lift. That's just for me. And I think the reason why I do that now is because of my age. Whereas when, when I was your when I was when I, when I was your guys' age, I just could go into the gym, lift a lot of weight in the gym, and that's it. I could get away with it. But nowadays I have to be very, very careful what I do in the gym. 100 percent Okay. So taking a little bit of what both of you said then, because uh, I, I, again I'm working with limited equipment. I wish I had a leg, I wish I had a leg press. Um, I could do a rest pause set for hip thrust, uh, rest pause set for leg ex- for leg extensions, um, rest pause set for leg curls, and then Jefferson deadlifts could be my primary lift because that's gonna be and 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 really and really my, my whole body right now is telling me that i need to do jefferson deadlifts this happens like every uh, one, once every month or two <laughs> but when it, when my back starts getting really compre- uh, compressed especially if i've been doing um any any, any kind of uh, lower uh, something that taxes the lower back like deadlifts or like barbell squats or anything um, i get to a point to where i need to do jefferson deadlifts and then that's a, an asymmetrical exercise that kind of uh, reshifts my spine and even if I, I I can go as heavy as I want on them, and I always feel, um, and, and it always seems to correct it, almost like kind of going to a chiropractor. So, um, so I'll so I'll do those as the as, as the primary lift, but no rest pause sets there, right? That's that's what that's what you're saying, and you would only do a couple sets to absolute failure on uh, on on those Jeffersons as the main compound lift. Yeah, there because uh, the reason for that is like if you're. If you're if you're if you're going to failure and that and that movements, but you going back into it again, you're gonna be you've got to think about your CNS system. Like your your CNS system's gonna be fried, absolutely yeah. fried. So does it make sense for you to go back in and do it again? Not really. I think you're I think you're risking injury if you if, if you push it that far. I think okay. if you just do one straight set, you, you can pretty much just go to complete failure, and that's it. Yeah, you, you don't need to rest pause on. On one set, really, um, or one set in a in a given exercise. So, what your homework is, Colt, for you to do, and for everyone that listens to this, um, if you're going to be applying any rest pause methodology, any intensifier, work out alongside your normal typical workout routine how many of them you can do in a given time period and still progress from one workout to the next. So, if, for example, you increased your frequency of leg workouts from one to two per week. Um, say, for example, you did 10 working sets um, and say all of them were rest pause sets. Say your strength dropped off the following week, you'd then actually decrease the amount of rest pause sets you'd be doing. So perhaps drop it down to eight. If then your progress still isn't going up, drop it down to six, seven. Um, that's effectively how you do it. So the important thing about training, especially when you're adding in all this extra intensity work, is to auto-regulate it as per your workout. So you might notice that, for example, you do the Jefferson squats, do two sets of rest pause or two sets to failure on the workout that we kind of outlined um, between Mark and myself. Then if you're doing that again four, five, six days later and you notice your lifts have gone down, your back hurts, you feel fatigued, reduce that down to one. If still that's not not sorting out, reduce either of those workouts to one working set 
Um, and that's how, that's how you basically work out training intensity and volume. So you have your baseline sets, your workout. Um, Mark very, very intelligently outlined that. It's important where you position different movements in a workout because that can make or break your training routine, honestly. Um, you put something in the wrong place, that could seriously mess you up and take away from your results because you're not able to focus um, properly on what you're trying to intend to do, like in terms of specificity and different muscle groups. So, yes. I mean, at, I mean, at the end of the day, all that matters is you're beating your numbers every week. So yeah. That's it. That's all you need to do. So, but it's very, very hard to do that on a rest pause set because then you have to count, okay, how many reps did I do in total? You should be focusing on your main big lifts. So if you're doing a hack squat or a deadlift or whatever it is, they're the ones you're going to focus on. But, you, but what I would do is instead of increasing the weight every week, look back at your form. So video yourself. Was that lift perfect? Was every single rep the very, very same as the very, very first rep? Did I mess up at the end? Did I mess up at the middle, in the middle? Did I mess up at the big at the beginning? Can I improve on that lift? So instead of focusing on how much weight I can actually lift, focus more on getting better at that lift. Does that make sense? Because when yeah. you get better, if you get better at that lift, that's how you're going to grow. And I love seeing people that are lifting a lot of weight, but they're lifting it with immaculate form, like immaculate. Okay, so. Uh, so, so to sum up, like if if I was gonna do five five sets of ten machine squats, six uh, and then six sets of, of ten, six sets of five. That's like what I would normally do for Jefferson deadlifts, um, with like not super long rest 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 sets, but um, probably like three or four minutes. I like um, and it always has to be an even number of sets because you switch legs every time, right? So to avoid muscle imbalances, it's either two sets, four sets, or six sets, but nowhere in between. <laughs> um, and then. And then, and then and then finish off with um, lying leg raises, but that one could be a rest pause set. So I'll see I'll see how how fast I can get this all done. Probably about 30, 45 minutes. Sorry, Colt. I wouldn't I wouldn't focus on like going into the gym and thinking about half how fast you're doing the workout. Yeah. I would just focus on what you're actually doing in that workout. And then let let the time be. Like, let's just see. Don't focus on the watch. Don't just say, oh, Jesus Christ, it's, it's 40 minutes. I need to hurry up here. No. Go into the gym. Train the way you train, but just lower the volume down. If you need an extra minute or two to look at the hack squat and say, right, block out everything, put your earphones on, st- listen to something that you enjoy, and the minute you get into that exercise, block out everything. Just go in and absolutely destroy it. But don't let outside interference get in, get, in, um, get in the way of your workout. Don't think of time. And you just go into the gym, do what you have to do, look at your watch when it's all done, and that's it. Don't it's you're not doing any cardio here. You're not. It's not a sprint. You're just trying to build muscle and get better at building muscle. And if that takes you 40 minutes, brilliant. If it takes you 45 minutes, brilliant. Everybody's different. I can do it a certain way. Jonathan does it a certain way. You do it a certain way. You need to do what works for you. Don't focus on what yeah. I do. Don't focus on what I'm. What works for me works for me. I, I what works for me. I, I have done that over the years. It, t- it took a long, long time for me to train the way I train. And I've spoken to an awful lot of people in the industry that train that way. And it suits my. It suits my. It suits me because of my lifestyle, my age. I'm not going into the gym to be the biggest in the gym. 
Okay, if I was your, if I was Jonathan's age or yours age, I'd be probably training completely different. But you need to do what you enjoy. Don't focus on the clock. Focus on just improving in the gym every single day, and that's it. Don't let yeah. anything else get in your way. Good. Yeah. Good yeah. I'll just, I'll just kind of add on to that in a slight, in the same but slightly different way. So you've got your different metrics to evaluate your performance as a bodybuilder. You've got your video analysis, so you can record your sets. Yep. You've got your strength log, your brilliant um, superset your life training booklet, which I which I love. I think Sophie's nicked that now. <laughs> you, you, you can you can find those at supersetyourlife.com. Shameless plug. <laughs> We're getting new Excellent. ones coming too. Yep. That's it. Yeah, they're they're very good. I do recommend people buy them if um if they come across them. So yeah, please please look out for that. And yeah, so you have two different metrics there. You can easily look at. You can easily log your stuff um you can easily check your performance in a video look at those two things um do the outline that do the out, do the workout that you outlined that you want to do like mark said that might take you 45 50 minutes whatever it takes you know it takes as long as it takes if you're finding okay this this extra 40 minutes of my life i don't want to spend doing this or workout i want to do fit it in 30 minutes okay well you're gonna have to increase the intensity um you have to decrease the sets because there isn't enough time in the day to um spend doing loads of different things and if you like to spend a, I, I i spend two to three minutes between my my um two, two rest periods between my sets that's just me that's what i like to do um i find i get a bit phased out if i go do it too quickly um so you'll find your own sort of training cadence in a way or tempo um then if, if for example like i said you're doing 45 minutes you think this is real pain yeah so i want to be able to do this in half an hour then yeah, take off a set or two. Take off a set or two that you find of an exercise is the least used to you. Whatever you think is, oh, that is a bit of waste of time. Then just look at all the other exercises and find ways to make those more intense. Um, at the same time, I know you're not like this cult, but a lot of people might listen to this and might think, I'm going to cut out the hardest exercise because Jonathan said so. No, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, guys. Still include the hard workouts, the hard exercises that work all the muscle groups, you know, the compound yeah. movements, whether that be a hack squat, squat, deadlift, whatever you happen to be doing. Um, but the thing is to taper up and down the other things that are perhaps less useful or slightly less effective in terms of building your overall leg mass. 100%. Yeah. For example, if you're um, like adductors for example those are the muscles that bring your legs together right and so that could be easily replaced with something like a lunge your lunge could be your primary compound lift and that's going to do just as much if not more activation for your inner thigh muscles than just isolating them yeah yeah potentially i mean it's a much better overall movement but then this is also where being considerate with your own training and what your goals are so if for example your legs are like giant gaps in the middle of them but you can think of giant quads yeah you need to work your adductors more so that's something where you'd prioritize that in your workout uh, you might then actually omit the lunges in preference of the adductors at the same time if your workout has four or five sets of a compound squat sort of movement or a leg press something which gasses you out it's really taken into your fitness um, capacity then perhaps you might look at doing the adductor machine rather than the lunge. You know, lunge is quite a exhausting exercise to do, especially if you're holding weights. So yeah, I hate them. you have to look <laughs> at it from so many different angles. So Mark's outlined his kind of workout. He's not arrived at that, that sort of workout because it kind of makes sense. He's tried different things and that based on his goals and his uh, exercise capacity, his resilience to injury, things like that. That's what he's found works best for him. And I'm the same. 
Um, we'll have different workouts, but different weak points, different stroke points, different fitness capacities, different recovery capacities. It all comes together. And what you'll do eventually, Cole, is you'll find out what works best for you. Yeah, 100%. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll tag you with the logbook and everything. <laughs> nice. Nice. Should we perhaps look at a question, or do we have another topic to talk about? Yeah, the other the other topic was just eating on the road. Um, I mean, this one this one won't, won't take super super long, but um, I guess I'll just kind of share how I've been doing it lately while it's, fre- while it's fresh in my head. I just got back from a road trip, so this is pretty convenient, Jonathan. When you suggested this topic, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I think I was in the car eating a keto brick when I replied to you. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, our our meal prep was uh, was 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 super easy. Um, I'm just a huge fan of elimin- elimination diets in general. Obviously, uh, the carnivore diet being at the top of the list because it's a species-appropriate diet. Um, but it's it, it's it, if you can if you can just simplify your your meal your meal prep to um, only having to eat one or two meals a day, then that right away saves you a ton of time and and a, and a lot of decision fatigue. Um, we went to coach Carly through her third and final. It's probably going to be her final bodybuilding competition. <laughs> she's she's uh, she, she's one hundred percent natural and did and, and she's done three of them now within the span of about five months. So she's um, so so she's she's definitely definitely earned some time off. Um, but anyway, she and she did absolutely amazing. But we um, I, I packed ground beef and butter and keto bricks and that was literally it and i don't even think i ate the butter because of the of, of the of the um i've been favoring tallow lately um been getting better sleep been um but just feeling over just been feeling better overall and i've actually been preferring the flavor over butter in general um keto bricks aren't 100 carnivore obviously um there's but it's oh i would say yeah, it, it is. It is the only processed food that I ever um, typically eat regularly, and I don't have any issues with my satiety signals or anything when I'm eating those. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my my meal prep in a nutshell. <laughs> At the cool. moment, that is. Yeah, it's not going to change anytime soon. It's great. Yeah, as you guys know, I've got quite a mixed carnivore diet. So um, I have dairy, I have butter, I have I don't know eggs cheese beef chicken fish whatever um i i for myself on the road i don't mind like i don't know if you got me over there but like string cheese mm. they're not yeah they're not the most the best kind of thing to eat but it's, it's in a package it's um something like you can chuck in the car it's portion controlled um if not as baby bells if not I'll, I'll melt in um some like cheese into an egg make like an egg chaffle waffle thing um, they're quite good handy to pack in some tinfoil or something um, other things I make I now make a carnivore protein bread which is absolutely delicious it has four ingredients I might share the recipe sometime but um, that's a handy thing it's quite a nice sweet treat it's compact you can put it in a box eat it anytime throughout the day probably stays in my opinion about two days outside the fridge quite safely um, oh heck yeah yeah so it's a handy thing honestly it's um, full of butter as well and fat so it's very energy dense, especially if you're a bodybuilder, you've got a lot of energy expenditure. Um, other things you might include, pickled eggs, uh, biltong. I'm not a fan of beef jerky because it's often laden and got tons of sugar and crap on it, basically, and extra junk you don't need. But, um, 
yeah, that's that's essentially it for me. Um, what about you, Mark? I mean, hopefully we've not talked about all of the little options, but what do you do if you're out on the road? No, mine is pretty basic. As you guys know, I have a massive dairy dairy allergy. I can't eat the I can't eat the egg yolk for some reason. I thought it just can't just destroys my stomach. So if I'm out on the road, then I just a couple of tins of sardines. That's all I have with me. That's all I have. Simple as that. Um, I have whey protein there, but I don't use it because again, it just upsets my stomach. No matter what protein t- powder I take, so I just try and keep it as simple as possible. So. My my diet at the moment is just meat and butter at the moment, and the butter I'm taking is cacao cacao butter, and and I enjoy it. It's, it's not like I don't enjoy it. I do actually enjoy it. I just swap meats up a little bit. So one day I might have salmon, one day I might have steak, one day I might have chicken, one day I might have lamb or pork or whatever. So I'm just mixing the meats up, um, and it hasn't been boring at all. But I would love to have more variety. Like I'd love to have more. I'd love to have eggs. I'd love to be able to eat dairy, simply because you can just get the volume of the food up. That's all. But um, in regards to flavour, like, no, it's not. But if I have to eat, if I'm on the roads, then I will. I'll just get a couple of tins of sardines. I'll eat them in the car, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff, guys. I'll add a couple of things to that, too. Um, first one is just a little bit of perspective on traveling and, and, and meal timing in general is if, if, if you're fat adapted, then missing a meal is really no big deal. If you're if, if you're consuming meals that have carbohydrates in them, you're kind of locked down and nailed to a clock. Like you have to eat at a certain time, otherwise you're otherwise you're going to have no energy. If you're fat adapted, you eat fat and you're running on dietary fat. Then running change your body changing from metabolizing dietary fat to to body fat is a very smooth process. <laughs> but to go from carbs and then you have your insulin spike and everything, you, you, have, you have a hard time burning fat for fuel after that. Um, and so if, so if you are ever on a pinch on the road and you just can't, you, you can't get an opportunity to eat, then you're fine. Then you can just have a bigger meal late, later, later at night. And then your, your satiety signals are going to indicate to you how big that meal should be. Um, yeah. I, I, and, then, and then just a couple other things. Like if, if you, if you are really in, 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 a, in a pinch and like you do need something, <laughs> Um, I don't know, maybe you're not 100% fat adapter, you're not 100% carnivore or whatever, you're just trying to keep it keto when you're traveling. Um, coffee with cream in it, just heavy cream, and have and have some of your own salt with you. I always have my salts on me. Those are something that I have with me no matter where I am because um, being hydrated and having my electrolytes in check, regardless of meal timing, is extremely essential for me to be able to function. Um, and so I'll add some salt into that. Um, restaurants i'm pretty much just always oh my gosh at, at carly's after party for her show we, so we went to a bar and um and i was and uh, wendy and i were like oh we're totally just gonna get burger patties and um and that should be really simple right because <laughs> that's normally what we do when we, when we go out so it's me wendy carly and her mom and we all get um let's see that she she got her her entire after party meal her splurge that she was looking forward to which was like basically a whole bunch of cookies and ice and ice cream and pizza and uh just amazing looking stuff that's all i gotta say <laughs> so so wendy and i are here with our keto bricks and eagerly awaiting our burger patties that, 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 that we asked for we get them and they're covered in barbecue sauce we asked for them to be raw they are completely overcooked it took them an hour to get us our order to begin with and they told me that my dog wasn't welcome there, and so that kind of set me off to begin with. <laughs> I looked at the, I, I looked at the food, and I was like, "Are you kidding, bro?" And the and, and the and the waiter was like, "Oh, yeah, no, that's not what you ordered." 
here, I'll come right back. And so he went and checked with his manager. He comes back and he's like, hey, my manager said that I'll take 50% off your bill. And I was like, yeah, good one. How about 100%, bro? This isn't what I ordered. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> and so he went and told his manager that and he came back and he's like, okay, 100%. And I actually discounted Carly and her mom too because uh, because I just feel bad for their trouble. <laughs> so, yeah. Tra- tra- yeah. Uh, Stay, staying staying on staying on a carnivore diet traveling can um can be can be interesting <laughs> it's amazing they get gave you money back Cole. um i'm not sure if mark's got the same experience in his country in ireland but um over here the hospitality industry is trash <laughs> there is no hospit- hospitableness over here like people are generally I, I, friendly I it's the, just i noticed that, that with the restaurants over there when, when i was there yeah you're absolutely right it's not um you do get nice places. I'm not saying they don't exist, but customer service, it's terrible. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you guys one example, which is very relevant to this topic. So Sophie and I went to Costco, which is an American based chain, you know, whatever it is. And we have some of them over here, like big mega store sort of things. Um, Their headquarters are actually about three, three hours from me. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was, as I went over there to order like a beef hot dog thing, and I've drank or whatever it was and something else. Um, in the end, I ended up getting two beef hot dogs, but not the rest of my order. Yeah. I was like, okay. But I didn't realize until about five miles up the road. So by which point it's too late to turn back really is, you know, we, we don't like to waste petrol and spend extra time doing things we don't need to, need to do. Um, then I thought, you know what, Sophie? I said, we, we're going to call these people up. Well, well, we. She's going to call them up um, politely. She's much better at dealing with people than I am. And she's going to ask that person to see if they'll give us a refund. Turns out they did. They're very helpful, and it made the whole process very easy. But I know damn well, if I went to, like, Tesco's and complained about their cafe and they gave the wrong meal, they'd ask for receipts and make the whole process really confusing and difficult. I wouldn't actually get anywhere. And he might just say, oh, sorry for the inconvenience for like a generic automated email. But this lady through Costco actually booked in to have a, like a private telephone meeting with us. She went out of her way from her own job to actually make the process nice and pleasant for us. And that just goes to show for you, the American hospitality style is very good. So that's one thing in particular about the American um, culture that I really appreciate, which is lacking at least in my country which is a shame because we do a lot of things very well but hospitality is not one of them yeah it's the very yeah. same here very very same yeah. uh i do have a um some some questions from matt's if we have time to go over these we can go over one of them yeah just one okay just one here we go i'm gonna pick, pick a good one, one that's, i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna pick the one that's the most relevant to what we've been talking about so far so when it comes to animal fats do you notice any difference in how you feel with butter versus lard and tallow and other animal fats that's a good question yeah so i tolerate and digest butter very well i'd say butter is probably one of my main fat sources funny enough um it seems to be if i add tallow to my meals it's not that i don't enjoy or i feel bad it just sometimes can lead to some loose stools not extreme but sometimes so it's a bit iffy here and there um now saying that it's not that i think that tallow is a bad fat source i think it's an incredibly good fat source it's just some people seem to have a bit of issues digesting rendered fat um as well where its source can make a difference as well i mean if you're looking at um 
rendered fat like tallow versus butter, the main difference of it is that butter has a higher water content. That's the main obvious difference if you look at nutrient composition. So 100 grams of butter, something like 80, 85 grams of fat per 100 grams. Um, tallow, 99 grams, near enough entirely fat, and it'll be entirely saturated fat. Um, butter has butyric acid, which is kind of like a form of short-chain fatty acids, which can be beneficial towards colonocytes within the gut. So it can be useful for aiding gut distress. Now, not in Mark's case when he has an intolerance to it, an allergy of some, some kind, so it wouldn't be beneficial to him. Um, tallow is a bit different. It has something called stearic acid, which is beneficial towards energy production, mood perhaps, um, helps boost fat burning, ketones, all those sort of things. So that's probably why people like Colt might benefit more from tallow. Um, again, it's just your own kind of feel what you find best and most useful to you. But for me, it's butter. For Colt, it seems to be tallow. And um, I imagine, Mark, you might have your own thoughts on it. What do you think? Yeah, I'm the same. I've, 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 I looked at a few options, and the, the one I could only – I tried the tallow. I tried, I couldn't eat the butter. The butter just wouldn't agree with me. And then I saw uh, what Robert Sykes uses in his keto brick. So I did a bit of research on the cacao butter. I said, right, I'll give it a go. Let's see what happens. And digestion, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now, if I change that to, like, normal butter, dairy – I'm in bits. I'll have headaches for about four or five days. My stomach will feel my stomach will feel like a block. Just feel like I'm after I'm after eating a block. It just doesn't feel good at all. I've got mental headaches. Um, I feel low. It's just it just does something to me. I, I just don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, and I was I thought and the same with like olive oil and coconut oil. I found that when I take too much of it, I was getting too much heartburn. So I needed to get a substrate. I needed to get something different. So I had to research and say, right, well, I just can't eat meat all the time. I need to have more fat. Like, how can I get more fat into my diet that's easier? If I'm having a cup of coffee in the morning, like, how can I get it easier? Instead of just adding a, a, a couple of tablespoons of, of coconut oil. So that's when I invested into the um, cacao button. I haven't looked back, and digestion has been perfect. I've been able to go to the toilet perfect with it as well. So no issues. Good stuff. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say between butter and tallow, I prefer the flavor of tallow personally. I just think it has more flavor, um, and and I and I and I've and I've noticed I have less inflammation when I have it. Um, I didn't realize that there's a difference in the amount of fat content, but yeah, it looks like there's about 10, 20 percent. I'm just looking it up right now. Um, more fat content in tallow, which makes more sense because there's no there's no um, water in it. Um, I'm noticing a I'm, I'm noticing a little bit more clearer skin since not having butter, um, but nothing to where I feel like it's a huge night and day difference. And uh, tonight I'm probably going to have butter just because butter sounds good. <laughs> the other thing as well, guys, the people that are listening to this or watching this, um, we are also in different countries, so the source of our food is different. Um, oh, yeah. Probably for Mark and myself, our food is nearly always grass-fed for the majority of the year. Um, so unless Colt was to go out and buy grass-fed butter and organic this, that, and the other, then, yeah, he might have a different experience. But Colt might come over here for one day and try out butter and think, wow, my skin's getting better and I don't have all these issues. So, you know, it's quite individual. And the taste is very different as well. I mean, yeah. I've bought butter from three different brands here in the UK. Uh, Kerrygold, Lurpak, Anchor, and I think there's another one. But those three, to me, I can distinguish which one's which. So when I'm actually eating them, you could get them 
in a packet, take them out of the packet, cut it off. I'd know which one's which just by taste. So there is a di distinguished taste between each butter that um, is from a different source. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in for session number two. Whatever questions you have, go ahead and fire them away to admin at supersetyourlife.com. We'll tackle those in the next one. Make sure you're subscribed and please share the show, guys. Your support means the world to us, and this has helped us get this production off the ground in the first place. So thank you so very much for that. This lifestyle is simply who we are, all three of us. Helping others achieve similar results is more rewarding than all the money in the world could ever be. Thanks again for helping us spread the knowledge. You can follow all three of us on Instagram, Jonathan at the composition underscore consultant, Mark at fitness beyond time zero one, and myself at Colt Milton, plain and simple. For more on any of us, you can check out Jonathan's YouTube channel, Composition Consultant, or Mark and myself on Skullbells TV. Thanks again for joining. We'll catch you next week.